Musical Theater Writer Guy is recorded as a YouTube channel series on Muncie Lenape and Canarsie Lands. The audio from each episode is also released here in podcast form. To watch or to learn more, please find us on YouTube or through my website at michaelraddy.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-R-A-D-I dot com. Enjoy the show. I think the, cha- I think the challenge that for a lot of people and for my, for myself included, is just finding avenues to present your work mm. because it's it's a lot of work to present your work. So finding finding a theater that will do it, finding actors who will read it, finding friends who will play it, finding people who will write it with you, finding any like there there's there's so much more that goes into presenting theater like I. So, I like so many of us get into theater because it's like an amalgamation of people doing something that no one person could do on their own. Like you need that community. You need these people to come together to put and like, that's the magic of theater. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the interview series called writer real talk today. I'm chatting with Mr. Patrick Spencer, a friend of mine from a decade ago. Um, <laughs> da, 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 da. Hey, uh, if you watched the interview with Charlie O'Leary, I we I think we may have dropped Patrick's name at some point during that interview uh, because uh, Patrick was also in the BMI class that I was auditing, and that's how we met and we became fast friends. And uh, you know, uh, little demons at times, uh, but we have our fun. <laughs> what the two of us? No, we never get in trouble. <laughs> ever um so anyway welcome everybody uh the, the patrick is a delightful human being one of the kindest most genuine people i know with the warmest heart and such great talent and just a, a, an ability to a express art in a way that feels so grounded and down to earth but also himself and be able to uplift and support other people in a way that is just fuzzy, warm making. Um, it's it's unique and it's delightful. So I am thrilled to introduce you all to Mr. Patrick Spencer. Hey everybody. And and that introduction is how Michael convinces people to come talk to him. And he's like, <laughs> I'm just gonna shower you with praise for the first 90 seconds of our conversation. And then you hey, can yeah. do whatever you want and you'll be fine. Like you, you, you can do no wrong after I shower you with all the praise. So thank you so much for having me, Michael. Uh, you are near and dear to my heart. So yeah, happy to sit down and talk about whatever you want. <laughs> whatever I want. No, no. Whatever you whatever whatever want. Whatever we want. Whatever we want. <laughs> well, well, and you all have to listen to it. So <laughs> they're stuck. <laughs> well, we'll get to our main topic in a bit, but but we'll start with the introductory questions as per usual. Um, so, Mr. Patrick Spencer, you have had... Uh, the opportunity to write in a lot of different ways, in a lot of different environments, with a lot of different people over a, a pretty large period of time here. But I want to know, is there a, a musical theater writer whose work you have gravitated toward the most? The most? I know, what a question, right? Yeah, no, that, that's totally fair because I feel like different periods of time you you gravitate towards different things. Mm-hmm. So like I remember I I was a huge, still am, huge Andrew Lippa fan. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I like I my my introduction to Andrew Lippa was was John and Jen 
Uh, and so like, I, I grew up, I grew up with two sisters. And so like, I grew up like listening to John and Jen in the car because like, that's what you do when your mom like plays piano for musical theater classes is like, you listen to Andrew Lippa in the car. Um, and so like getting introduced to like John and Jen, getting introduced to Wild Party. I remember uh, when I was touring with the uh, with a with a young boys choir because that's also something you do when your mom plays for theaters like you tour with like a boys choir to be <laughs> continued we'll talk more about that later but there were like contentious debates we, we did like a we did a concert series where people were we, we sang a cup a medley of like musical theater things so we were singing from rent and it's like you know it's cooler than rent the wild party and i was and uh that yeah i, I lost that argument but but i but i will always like like i, I doubled down on some andrew lippa like we we sang or we we quoted his lyrics at uh, my wife and i's wedding we we used uh uh i'll be here as like like part of like as a as a like a poetic reading at, at our wedding just because yeah he writes good words he writes good music so I guess a roundabout way of saying right now someone who definitely still sticks with me is uh Mr. Lippa that's delightful you know we I don't think we've ever really talked about that we've we've talked about Lippa before uh because I, I think Lippa is kind of a polarizing figure in musical theater writing like world um Especially for those uh, who who grew up <laughs> in our time, <laughs> us us millennial folk, uh, you will find people who love him and people who hated his work. And I never understood people who hated his work. That that just never crossed my mind. But I I, I don't think we've ever truly just talked about Lippo before. Um, I mean, they're entitled to their opinion. They're just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. We don't. We don't subscribe to that here, Patrick. Oh, sorry. I, I apologize. Yes, all opinions are valid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, I. I think part of that argument argument comes in from just the idea of the wild party, the two wild parties. Sure. Um. I I actually heard Lacusis first. Mm. Which I know weird, right? I I think that was the opposite route of most people. And so I have a, a warm place in my heart for Lacusa's Wild Party. But also when I heard Lippa's, I was like, well, there's some bangers in here. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it, if you can, in your in your off-Broadway recording, you pull in Adina Menzel, Tay Diggs, Brian Darcy James, and, you know, some Julia Murney. Just throw them <laughs> all in as, like, your four principles. You're probably going to have a solid cast album. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I, I we we could talk more about maybe we'll do that on our own at some point. No, but um, postmortem. Yeah, <laughs> postmortem. Uh, so I'm actually going to pull in one of the questions I usually ask later at this point. Uh, so interesting that that Lippa is, was such a big influence for you. Was there whether Lippa or not? Was there a uh, a specific show? that was a, a big influence on you when you were in, uh, in your formative years, whatever you consider that young or or maybe more high school or even college. Totally. Um, and, and, and this will be this will be a moment that I'm sure a lot of theater people have. But so like when I re I vividly remember like Into the Woods, I think mm -hmm. that's that, that's going to be so important to so many people. But to me, the moment in Into the Woods that stood out, I was like, oh, theater can do anything, is when the entire cast turns on the narrator. And like at that moment in the show, I was like, oh, oh, you can literally do anything in theater and it works. And so I was, and so like 
this idea and like that's clearly clearly that's why I subscribe to the Charlie O'Leary playwriting like exercise because Charlie will do anything in his plays and I, and I love and adore that like and the play falls apart on stage or then the set yeah. deteriorates and it's like yeah 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 it does and yeah. the entire cast throws the narrator under a giant's foot it's like yeah that's my kind of that's my kind of jam so definitely definitely fell in love with like theater in that regard just like the the magic of theater and like the the stakes of theater like it was like because for so much of that show it's like oh he is this outsider looking in and then they're like well if he can get pulled into the story can I get pulled into the story like who here can still get pulled into the story like we're all active participants in this story and all have stakes and so engaging your audience in that fashion is something that I I I think is super exciting and and aspire to do in the work that I uh, bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I hear two things there. Number one, I hear that the excitement of um, breaking rules, um, conventions and, and truly just throwing them out the window in a surprising way. But then I also hear the excitement kind of in the, um, the Walt Disney fashion of the stakes always should be death. And <laughs> right which like sounds super dark but i mean if you go on any disney ride or you watch any of the classic disney anything and the stakes are really usually always death it's always death <laughs> and, and so uh out of curiosity the, are, are those the reasons at that moment pulled pulled you in or um that's it's super interesting to think about it that way because then i also go to i mean it's it's more sondheim but you talk about breaking rules and it's largely considered a flop but i love merrily i love mm. the the like let's start from the worst possible place and let's build to the happy ending and then make even make that happy ending sad because you know where the actual ending is yeah. and so like like i like that sort of rule breaking is fascinating and like the the contemporary version of that when you look at last 5 years like mm. i just think the the way that story say what you like love me some jason robert brown um, but the, the way that that story figure eights on itself right there in the middle, like, like next 10 minutes, what that does in like the transition between forwards and backwards is it, it's just, it's really good writing. It's really good yeah. storytelling. It's just really captivating theater, whether you're seeing it on stage or on film, it's just, yeah, it's just really cool storytelling. So that's also like convention breaking, rule breaking. So maybe, maybe I do lean heavier into like convention breaking and rule breaking. But then at the same time, I'm writing a show about murdering Christmas trees. So like stakes being death are always, is is, is always a great stake. Like there should always be at least like, like a hint of like potential death on the line because everybody feels mortality. And if they say they don't, they don't That's true. Yeah. 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 Okay. So two quick things there. Number one, I love hearing you say that because I also know you as a writer and I know your love of structure so to hear you talk about loving the breaking of the rules just warms my heart because I you know me I, I'm the same way I love structure but I love to then break structure that's the fun stuff right um oh, 100%. and and just to bring it to Axmas to a second uh the reading that was what a little over a month ago that I went to yeah with, just with <laughs> a lot happens in a month um we, we had that whole uh conversation in the the little feedback session about how it, you guys the, it's so outlandish the whole show that 
to have that classical structure actually really helps. <laughs> it works beautifully. Yeah. I, I, I love being able to come back to structure so that I can throw my structure out the window. Like if you, if you want, like, I, I don't remember who said it. Maybe it's Charlie. Maybe it's somebody smarter. It's definitely somebody smarter than me, but they're like the crazier your idea, the more solid your foundation of structure needs to be. Mm, so yeah. like, if you want to write the, like the craziest show, then make sure you're following, like follow the Pixar model. Be like, and then what happened? And then right. what happened? Like fall, like have some semblance of structure. But if you're going to, you know, if you want to just tell a simple story, do it, do whatever you want with it. Like, yeah, you, you, you can tell it in reverse. Like that's, and I think that's something that, uh, not, not getting into the world of it, but like that's plays because they're like plays kind of get plays get to do whatever they want in a way that in a way that a lot of musicals don't. And I'm very jealous of that. But I, so I, I try to, I try to pull that, pull that in. But when you, when you talk about, when you talk about structure, like that's, that's the best the best thing you can get out of school or the BMI workshop or wherever you're getting your education is like, what are the rules so that when you start breaking them, you're breaking them on purpose and you're yeah. breaking them for a reason because then it's more exciting and it's, you know, better storytelling. Yeah. Breaking and or expanding. Sure. I, I think the, there's plenty of room in the rule set to add nuance. And one of the things I really love about Axmas, I'll give you a chance to fully plug it in a second. Uh, but one of the things I really love about Axmas is I don't think it is necessarily breaking rules. I think what it's doing is saying, hey, there's actually more that you can do. Um, and you can do it within these rules, because we are, but also would be exciting to see what comes after, after people see Axmas to see sure. if, if people take what you guys did, did and run even further or run in a different direction. Um, Cause yeah, I, I think what you guys have built is unique. Fair. Thank you. No, I mean like, and we're, we're standing with Axmas, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. Like we can only do what we do because of little shop, because of reefer madness, because of bat boy, right. like, because of you're in town, they're like, they're like we only get to write these kinds of shows and play with these kinds of crazy ideas because people, uh, yeah, in, insanely talented people before us like laid this foundation that like I can I can then approach people and say, hey, imagine if you will a world it's like a 1980s slasher film but told from the perspective of trees, and they're like, <laughs> yes. Tell me more. I've watched a singing plant devour human beings. I've watched a bat child yeah. have sex with it, with his sister. Like, yes, tell me more. And I'm like, yeah, beautiful. All right. My, I'm, I'm, re I'm relatively tame at this point. <laughs> Let's take it from here. Uh, like, I found my people. Um, <laughs> if any of you have not yet watched the Charlie O'Leary interview, go back and watch that. Charlie wrote a book on Axmas. Uh, Patrick is the lyricist. Though, really, y'all kind of dipped your hands into everything a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. It was a, it, yeah, that, that, that was a grand old time. We, we, we spent an entire weekend at a cabin uh, because that's what you do when you write a show. You just go to a cabin for a weekend. And so, uh, was, it, so, was it a log cabin when you were writing about killing trees? It, it, it indeed was. And okay. there, there was a lake that Anthony insisted there was one eel that lived in the lake. Uh, but that's that's uh, not germane to the story. Um, but so we, we played what was, we played what's called the joke game. So like we read through the we read through the story, through the script. And any point, any time we got to a joke that was like fine or a lyric that was OK, we wrote down the setup and what the lyric was and we threw them all in a hat. And then over drinks that night, we pulled out the punchline, the joke. 
and read it. And then everybody had to pitch a better idea. And we uh-huh. drew we drew jokes out of a hat and we read the joke and we all voted which one was the funniest and whether it made sense or not, that joke made it into the script for the next day. And then we read the script as a whole from the next day and figured out like what things looked like from that perspective. There were jokes huh. that were very funny at 12 o'clock at night and not funny <laughs> at, at 10 o'clock in the morning the next day. But a lot of the, a lot of solid jokes that we have in the show now were from this sort of melting pot hodgepodge of everybody writing book, everybody writing lyrics, everybody throwing ideas and like collaborating together. I love that. I've never heard of anyone doing that before, but that, that's awesome. Yeah, it's so much fun. It, it, it's, the, it's the most exciting game of punch up that I've ever played. So yeah. <laughs> Wow. Uh, w- would you um, in this moment like to give a plug for the uh, the uh, the production? Absolutely. Yeah. So we're uh, so if you happen to be in New York City this December, December 1st through December 18th, uh, you should come check out an Axmas story at the Players Theater. We'll be running from Thursdays through Saturdays at 7 p.m. And Sundays are a little 3 p.m. matinee. Um, d- Stay tuned on the uh, Musical Theater Ridegari creative channel because we'll be we'll be posting uh, a discount link. So Heck keep yeah. watching his stuff and you can get cheaper tickets. But uh, check us out at anaxmasstory.com. Uh, all one word, <laughs> all lowercase, just as it sounds, anaxmasstory.com. You can, you can check out some fun YouTube videos that we have. We've got links to tickets. We've got creative bios. Uh, and yeah, the, the show is right around the corner, 90 minutes, no intermission, just like you want all of your raunchy tree sex musical theater comedies to be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. It's it's going to be a blast and a half. Uh, we look forward to seeing anybody. Uh, anybody who wants to come, come check I it out. That. It's going to be a grand old time. Lovely. Yeah, that's uh, for the place that is down in the village, everybody. It's, so that's three weekends, 12 performances total? Three weekends, 12 performances. Wonderful. Yeah. And uh, for clarification, is Axmas spelled A-X or A-X-E? Oh, A-X-E. Great mm. question. A-N-A-X-E-M-A-S story.com. Lovely. So <laughs> check it out. <laughs> that was a good shameless plug. That was good. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, do come. I've got my ticket. Um, I'm excited. It's gonna be I'll be there almost every night. So come say hi. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, Lovely. Well, I'll, I'll dive back into hopefully the order, correct order of questions now. Um, okay, so this is this is a question, two sides of probably the same coin based on previous interviews, but maybe not for you. So the two part, what I want to know is uh, what you've seen as your biggest challenge thus far in your career, but I also want to know what you've seen as your greatest success thus far. So I don't know if those are related for you, but I know they have been for some people. Yeah, no, I, I think it, it it's interesting. I'm going to try to think before I talk because I don't always do that. I'm very good at just like shouting out the first answer without putting very, without putting any thought into it. Um, I think the, cha- I think the challenge that for a lot of people and for my, for myself included is just finding avenues to present your work mm. because it's, it's a lot of work to present your work. So finding finding a theater that will do it, finding actors who will read it, finding friends who will play it, finding people who will write it with you, finding any like there there's there's so much more that goes into presenting theater. Like I 
I, like so many of us, get into theater because it's like an amalgamation of people doing something that no one person could do on their own. Like you need that community. You need these people to come together to put, and like, that's the magic of theater. However, when you don't have that community or when you moved, when, when you moved from small town, Arizona to, to big city, New York, and you're like, oh, this is like a, a much uh, higher level community that like, you you have to figure out ways to get in there and, mm -hmm. and to like, and and to get your work up on its feet. And so like, that's that's hard. That's that's not easy. A, a lot of it is like self-produced theater. A lot of it is just like pounding down doors and and trying to to get yourself seen. Um, yeah. So I mean, like, and with that, like, another another great str struggle comes with just like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, resiliency. Just mm. being like, how do I get up every day and keep writing this? How do I how do I continue writing? this same show for one years, two years, three years, four years. Like, how do I, like, how do I find both the energy internally, but how do I find the creative impetus to like, why do I want to keep telling this story? Like, why yeah. is it important to keep telling this story? So like that sort of resiliency I think is, is tough. And it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'll stop there as like, those are like a couple of the, the like struggles, challenges that I think a lot of people, but like my, myself included face is just like, how do you break into this industry? And, uh, and then how do you, how do you keep it up <laughs> until you break into this industry? Like I, I, I have not yet broken in. I'm, I'm still, I'm still doing, I'm still, still doing as much breaking as I can, but so yeah, it's, it's, it's a matter of like finding that resiliency to like, why do you keep doing it? And I think that's, Honestly, like you say, like these usually go hand in hand. It's like you find that resiliency by things you're the most proud of, yeah. like by, by working on things that like you love. Like I, uh, I like I, I worked on a handful of shows. Like I think Axmas is one of the silliest shows I've ever written, <laughs> but it's also one of the shows that's like, oh, we deal with a lot of like in a time of uh, <laughs> in a in a time of like crazy misinformation it's like what fun to like tell a parody musical about the spread of misinformation and like mm -hmm. actually like your own critical thinking and like making sure that you are like you are your own biggest ally and like trusting in yourself is the way that you're going to get through things i was like yeah, yeah that's that's i mean plus you know tree puns and and sex jokes and and, and like yeah you, like that's why you keep coming back to it but also like in addition, I, one of the things I'm proudest of is just like the community of friends who are in this theater industry that I that I live in. Like, uh, their success is my success. So like like the the fact that I have the fact that I have like we have people from our BMI class. Uh, like K-pop is going to Broadway this year. That's yes. incredible. Yeah. It's, it's like uh like uh w w one of our other cohorts is like a pun champion she's a crit like critically acclaimed like washington post columnist like i like just by writing theater i have i have been privileged to know so many incredibly talented people like like our good friend carl like run helps run a small like a, a chamber ensemble it's like what what world do i live in that like i get i get uh, emails for like comps to go see like in amazing classical music once a month. Like, I, like I, I get the opportunity to come here and, and talk on, talk to all of you. You all have to listen to me because, because Michael gives me a platform to talk. Like, like I get to, I, I get to go to the players theater and do things because I know Charlie and Anthony, like, like yeah. the, just the, the community of people I know, like my circle, my people, 
I think those, in addition to like the, the, the silly shit I get to write, but like those people are like my greatest, like that's what I'm proudest of is like the people that I've met along the way. What a phenomenal answer. That like three, four minutes is everything. <laughs> stop. You can stop listening now. Just, just, no, just no. <laughs> you stop, you play it back and then you continue on because that is worth another listen. Oh man. Uh, I, I'm going to pull that out and, and, and post that separately. That That's amazing. Um, and I think it's so true. There's so much about what you just said that is everything. Um, may, may I reflect something back at you with an addendum? Sure. You said that you have not yet broken into the industry. And then you just went on to list all the ways that you are a part of this industry. And amongst so many wonderful peers. Sure. Just throwing it back. Sure. So then I would also say another difficulty we all face is imposter syndrome. Like oh that's, boy. that's another thing that everybody deals with. But so, yeah, but, but, but to, to, to be fair, it's like there, there are plenty of people much more successful than I, that'll be like, yeah, I still haven't broken into the industry yet. So, um, yeah, everybody's on their own journey. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Thank you, Michael. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, not only are you doing your thing, like you have a show yeah. going up, off Broadway this winter. So, hey, there's that. <laughs> An Axmas story dot com. Check it out. <laughs> that that accents with an e. Um, but also like that that idea of community, uh, finding your people, your tribe, your 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 group of humans who is supporting you and helping you through. Um, who are of course all doing their own things, and and we offer support to them as well. I mean, that's really what it's all about, right? Obviously, it's why I started the the collective. So we have a space for that, too. But then uh, as far as like development roots, those are the people that you go to first, right? When you want to do a reading. Totally. Like you call your friends. <laughs> right. The reading in August. It was just a, a whole group of us who everybody knew through someone. Yeah. And that that's that's the stuff. That's where you um, you get the best feedback, too, because people know you. And know you're what you're trying to do, and it and it brings you back to why I do theater in the first place is getting a bunch of people in together in a room to tell a story, which ah. is like yeah. And when you get to do that with your friends, nothing better. Yes. Ah, such a good answer. Such a good answer. All right, one more two parted, then we'll dive into our main topic. Love it. Okay, this one. Might be big, might be small. You, I think, may have answered part of it already. But um, do you have a favorite, like, big work you've made? You can qualify big work as you will. Could be a full show. It doesn't have to be a full show. And do you have a favorite song you've written? Oh, probably. Uh <laughs> 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 oh, I, I am... I, I'm I'm I think that I'm mo I'm proudest of the work that I've done with Axmas right now, just because of a the speed in which it came together. Like we 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 started writing it in January of 2020, so like every, like writing a pandemic musical turns into like trees. So you know what you're gonna do. Um, but I think it like the 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 idea 
behind it, the like the evolution of the idea. Um, and also it's like just the, the commercial viability. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so love that. Uh, I've written a lot, I've written a lot of good songs with a friend, friend of the podcast, Carl Hinsey. Um, the, the, the first song we ever wrote together, it's not my favorite song that we ever wrote together, but I will always reference it. Uh, we wrote a song like in the BMI workshop, you have to write a song that's like a sad hello or a happy goodbye song. And so we wrote a sad hello song for, uh, a, a, a sex a webcam girl a, a sex a sex worker who was like business was bad so we wrote a song called come one come all which is one of the the greatest hooks i that we've ever come up with uh the song was terrible because we didn't know what we were doing we were we were like hey it's a hook let's let's use it <laughs> come it's funny um and then yeah and so like the, it, it was a great, great idea for a song um but but I, I i've written a lot of a lot of really beautiful music with carl for our show big picture um that there's a lot of there's a lot of amazing uh, he he just writes some beautiful music like we, we have this we have a song called don't ask for the moon which uh the lyrics are overly poetic so it's not my favorite work but he wrote some really gorgeous music that like makes my work sound even better and so that's one of the, the pleasures of getting to work with carl is like he just he elevates uh what, what i do in a way that just makes it sound awesome so um we we have we have a so i think my favorite song that i have written is from big picture there's a for for those of you who don't know, which is probably most of you, it's a it's it's very much like a, a Devil Wears Prada story, but set in the film industry instead of the fashion industry. So it's this like meteoric rise. Think like how to succeed in business, uh, where this this guy who has no credentials sort of finds his way at the top. Uh, but his like superpower is that he loves movies. So like he thinks the good guys always win out in the end. And so over the course of the over the course of the the show, he sort of gets everything that he wants and. Or he thinks he wants it, it turns into like more power and he he ends up at the end like running this studio and he's miserable and so we played this song it's like it's our big 11 o'clock number it's like the penultimate song but it's called and the credits roll so it's like you think it's the end of the show it's like the end of his story and he's singing about like you have everything you wanted is it everything you thought it would be and just like being able to play with theatrical uh being able to like pull back like who doesn't love a callback in musical theater? Like that's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's so like, we, we have like, we got to fully pull from like all of the great work we did earlier in the show and then set some just like really smart ideas around how you reflect on your own story in a, in a theatrical lens, but through a cinematic model. Mm. So there's, there's just a, a lot of really cool things that we played with in, in that music. So I'm really pl proud of the work we did for uh credits role there. Shout out. Uh, Carl. Heck yeah. Great, um, great answer. I I have not heard that song. That's a we. That's one that we sort of uh, made its way into the show right before. Uh, oh, oh, years 20, <laughs> 2019, We did uh we did a, like a two week workshop at the University of Oklahoma mm. uh, with those kids out there who are crazy talented. If you're looking for a school to go to, shout out University of Oklahoma. Those kids rock. Um, but we, we yeah we, we did it we did a two week workshop of, of new work out there and the uh, I think that was one of the first moments where that song existed in public performance and it, and it went over really well. Uh, that show unfortunately that show was was definitely a casualty of you know the pandemic. We we had that with a great reading in uh, spring of 2019. Another like great reading here in the city in like December of 2019. And then everybody knows what came in 2020. And then the wheels just sort of started falling off theater in general. So. 
it's still percolating. It's a show that's still near and dear to all our hearts. Shout out Susan Murray, who I have not name dropped yet. She's the book writer for that show. Um, we're going to get back to it. It's just yeah. a matter of, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Uh, having heard and watched uh, the development of that show over over the the several years that um, that y'all were working on it consistently, and having been at one of the first readings too, um, it, it's been. I know the the place uh, of comfort y'all were at after twenty nineteen, and so my heart breaks a little bit for for you that you know the pandemic kind of halted that progress, which it has for a lot of people in a lot of shows. Oh, sure. um, but uh, here we, we we keep going. There's more thing, more things to write, more stories to tell, right? Yeah. It's 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 that resiliency I was saying yeah. earlier. Like <laughs> absolutely, one hundred percent. The oh, you just said something else. I was gonna ask a question about. No, I don't know. It's gone. Uh, what I didn't give you the opportunity to do at the start of this conversation, which is my fault as the interviewer, is for you to give. Uh, the audience, your own take on who you are and what you do, what they might know you for. You, we've mentioned several of your projects now, but I know there are other projects too. Oh yeah, um, cool. So a little bit about Patrick. Um, let's see, I, I got a degree in acting in musical theater from the University of Arizona, mm. Bear Down Wildcats. Uh, <laughs> moved out here in 2012, so I, yeah, I've been doing the theater thing for, you know, for, for a decade now here in the city. Isn't that right, Michael? Um, but so, yeah, I like, I, I've, I've bounced around. I, I primarily write lyrics. Um, that's like what, uh, what most of my collaboration is, is like writing lyrics in some form or another. I have like, I, I've been the drummer for an indie rock band. It was called Airplane Mode. You can, you can still find the music on Spotify. I, uh, shout out to those guys. I think I think Dave's still here in the city. I think Joe moved to Colorado, but keep making music. You guys rock. Um, and then like, so I, I, I've, I've had my 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 share of writing some music. I wrote a, a pop punk musical because of course I did uh, yeah. uh, with with a friend of the podcast, Charlie O'Leary. Uh, so that was a that was a bunch of fun. Allowed me to work as both like a music and lyrics person was able to work with, I work a lot with, with Carl Hinsey, as I said previously, focusing strictly on words. And then recently with Axmas Story, I've been working with uh, Charlie O'Leary and another friend of the podcast, Anthony DeAngelis, who I don't okay. think you've had a chance to meet yet, but but you will. Uh, he has he has a great podcast called Let Me Ask You a Question. And if you think I talk a lot, check out Let Me Ask You a Question because Anthony... Yeah. Anthony is the right kind of character, um, but but in, in, in but in that setting, I, I'm allowed to sort of live in lyrical land, but then also help Anthony with music and also help Charlie with books. So that's like a, a yeah, it sort of lets me play all over the place. So yeah, do do my fair share of acting, do my fair share of performing, do my fair share of writing. Uh, that's me. Welcome yeah, I, I could bore you with more details, but I think that's what's important to this conversation. <laughs> Yeah, you have your hands in a lot of pots. Yeah. It's good. It's good stuff. You got a lot of skill. And actually, I, I feel like you acquire more skills all the time because sometimes you're, you're like, I do this too. And I'm like, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> I do now. <laughs> right? Like we had that conversation when I was uh, learning guitar for once. I was like, you know, there's a guitar in there. Do you play guitar? <laughs> you're like, why? Well, yeah. Yeah. I do. Like, yeah. 
nonchalantly hanging behind me. Like I, 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 I fool everybody watching the video into thinking that I a exercise and b play the guitar and the piano very well. Um, so it's just all yeah. And there's my degree. So like I have all of my aspirational things right on my wall behind me. <laughs> Your setup is a lot more uh, uh, um, put together than mine. When it's just like, oh hey, here's a plant in the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> um, great. Well, thank you for that intro. Should we talk about our main topic? I think I think we should. Let's Great. do it. So we decided that what we wanted to talk about today was collaboration. And what that is and what that can look like and how it can change. We kind of touched on it a bit already because we already talked about some of the collaborations you've had and how they've been different. Um, but uh, if you were to... Let's start here. If you were to to provide a piece of advice to a young musical theater writer who knew that they wanted to collaborate but didn't know what that looked like, where would you start? Mm-hmm. All right. So there that I mean it's it's a great question because everybody, everybody is always like, I have an idea for a show. What next? Right. <laughs> step one idea, step two, step three, Broadway. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that, like, as far as collaboration, I, I, I think that there's a lot of different ways. But to me, the the best thing I could offer you, anybody, is, like, if you're looking for a collaborator, find somebody who you already enjoy talking to. Because I think communication is going to be such a such a huge part of collaboration, because if you can't sit in a room and have a conversation with this person, you're never going to be able to talk about the character, talk about the story, talk about the song, talk about the journey, talk about your life, talk about how was your weekend like (laughs) the the, the, all of these things like while they, they it may seem flippant, they're all important to like the idea of collaboration because if you don't know how to communicate you can't collaborate so finding somebody who a you like to talk to um b you can talk to so i i think that's i think that's super important as far as like looking to write a show um yeah and then i I also think something that, that definitely comes into into collaboration which is a, a or a huge asset in collaboration, which is by no means a prerequisite, is shared vocabulary. And yeah. you can you can skip past, you can acquire shared vocabulary if you have good communication with someone. Like you don't both have to have gone to the BMI workshop to collaborate together. As long as like it's like, oh, I can have a conversation with you with you. I can talk with you. We can figure out, oh, when he says X, I understand it to mean Y. And you can come up with your own shorthand. That being said, if you have to work with somebody that isn't your top communicator, having that kind of shared shorthand, having that shared vocabulary helps bridge some of those communication gaps in a way that like when I talk about an AABA chorus or like where is the hook landing or like what's the bicycle of the song that that's that that sounds like crazy talk to standard people but like some of the people I work with like frequently know exactly what I'm talking about at this point in in in, (laughs) at this point in the conversation so having that shared vocabulary I think is really important 
Um, yeah, agreed. Uh, just a quick little tangent there, because um, <clears throat> that that's great advice thus far. Very good advice. Um, my my audience will be familiar with uh, AABA course and hook, but could you uh, explain bicycle of the song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we talk about uh, so this is this is a shout out to another shout out to Carl Hinsey and I. We we talk about the bicycle of the song is the idea that drives you through it. So like your hook can be your bicycle. Like mm -hmm. you, your if if your hook helps connect your A section to your B section to your to your A section to your B section, then that helps serve as the bicycle. Like you can all your your bicycle can also be another frame of references is like what is the game of the song. So like if you look at something along the lines of like Cole Porter, you're the top. It's like oh great game. The idea of like the bicycle of this song is self-deprecation praise. And it's like, how does that get us from point A to point B? And that allows you to get through not just uh, one chorus, second chorus, but you get the entire journey from first chorus through to the end of the song. Yeah. So like, that's what I mean by like, what's the, what's the bicycle? What's the game of the song? Um, but yeah, interchangeable, but vernacular. Yeah. But but this is exactly what we're talking about with the shared vocabulary idea, right? I often talk in my class, my cohort class, about uh, game and thesis. Yeah. But bicycle works great too. That's just <laughs> not the vocabulary that I generally use. Sure. But I know, like I, I know you guys. <laughs> I know I've known like, you to I've talk about the bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, I understand that vocabulary when when the two of you are talking. But Exactly. And now in a short conversation, now people can know what it means when you say bicycle. And to so to acquire the shared vocabulary is definitely something that any any group of people who can communicate with one another can do. Right. Yeah. But no. it's great to walk in to have that. Yeah. And that, and like you develop that with time. So like the other the other piece of advice is just start writing um, because first drafts don't have to be good. They just have to be written. So like, that's one of my favorite quotes. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it because it's true. I, the, the amount of garbage I throw out from draft to draft is, is insane, but you don't, you don't figure out how to communicate with somebody. Like if I, if I give over a lyric and someone just goes, that's good. And then they said it, we didn't establish anything we won't be happy with the song. We didn't talk about why did you do this? What are you thinking about next? Like we didn't like that doesn't even like there was no communication about where does the hook land? Do you want mm -hmm. the hook to be at the beginning of your chorus? Do you want it to be at the end of your chorus? Like what sort of weight do we want it to pull? Like what what thematically are we looking to do here? Like what tonally are we looking to do here? So find people that that are interested to to dig in with you and don't be afraid to write something bad because it can't be good if it's not bad first. Mm. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole video about first drafts coming out soon, and this is just hitting on a lot of the major points. Uh, two, two questions that come off that. Number one would be, um, where do you land on the idea of how important it is to... Taste-wise, share a large section of taste. Um, because obviously there are so many different ways to write musical theater. There's so many different genres. There's so many different sounds. How important is that to collaboration? Well, I think 
as long as you're excited about the idea you're working on together, everything outside of that Venn diagram is just going to help make the piece you're working on together more exciting. Because mm. if you work with somebody who's like, oh, I really love Rogers and Hammerstein and I, I hate Aida, but I love Rent. And you're like, cool, not big on the, like, I also love Rent, but I don't like, but like, I'm also big, like, lighten the Piazza guy. Like, where can we sort of like find the middle of our, like, so clearly if we both like Rent, we're writing a rock musical now, apparently, um, that has like elements of, like, clearly we're not going the Aida path of rock musical, but we can do some fun, like, oh, let's, let's see if we can pull in some classical structure for Rodgers and Hammerstein or some fun, like electronic synth stuff or like cool, uh, like electronic strings from like that sort of Adam Gettle world. Like, like let's play with like sonically what we're doing here. And so you don't necessarily have to agree outside of the world of the show. It does help though, if you agree, like, if you agree on the show, you're actually writing. Yeah, yes. Um, but, but Sorry, I was just gonna say to that point, like that's why it's okay to collaborate with different people on different things. Like find the right collaboration for the right project and, and don't feel like, yeah, feel free to, to work with all sorts of people because your collaboration process is gonna change depending on who you're working with. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's something that people are doing more now and getting away from the old model of, hey, these two people are married collaborators forever, um, which worked pretty decently at the beginning of musical theater. Uh, but I, I think there's more expansion now for sure. I just want to uh, take a moment to mention that idea of what you just said. Yes, have the, the space where everything crosses over, but in the differences of taste, that's not a detriment, but instead that enhances. And I think that's just a beautiful way to say that, uh, that what people are bringing to the table where they may only agree on a certain small amount of things, everything else is a positive. I, I really like that idea. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. I, I think it's awesome because then as long as like, I think it's sort of like building blocks of collaboration then. If you know you disagree, like because then you've been communicating <laughs> and you can like talk about it and you know what you agree on, as long as you can talk about why these other elements that you may not have like shared passions for exist in the thing that you're writing together, yeah, it's just it like you're you're gonna find a really cool shorthand and you're gonna end up with a really cool like finished product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Um and then um so you just mentioned that uh collaboration will look different no matter who you're working with and what the project you're working on. Absolutely true. So for you. When you begin collaboration on a song, or it could be a larger project, but maybe let's start with a song. Do you come and have a conversation about the overall theme first, or is it the structure first, or is it the goal of the piece first, or is it the sound, is it the hook? How, how do you like to dive in? Uh, the the cop-out answer is, Depends on the song. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, I think it, it. Good night, folks. Yeah, you're coming to my talk. I think in general, though, one of the places we that I will always start, regardless of who I'm collaborating with or or what the song is or where the song goes, is what the song is accomplishing. Like, what is the goal of the song? Like, 
is the song supposed to, is the song just fun? Does it need to pull any weight or is it just supposed to be fun? Hmm. Is, the, is the song like, is it supposed to be like, oh, this is like, we're going on an emotional journey for this character or, oh, we need to deliver this important piece of plot information or we just need to tie this section of story to this section of story, put in a song. And so like, I think knowing what the role of the song is, is definitely going to be is probably the first thing we talk about or, or I would want to talk about when approaching a new song, because then once I know what it's supposed to do or what we think it's supposed to do, um, then we sort of know how to approach it. Because then once you know that, once you know that goal or have that goal, have that purpose, you can sort of dive in how you want to approach writing the song. Like if you want to approach like, Oh, cool. This song is just supposed to be fun. Let's just like come up with like a fun groove and then we'll talk a little bit about like, oh, in this moment of fun, what are our characters doing that is fun? And mm. then we talk about the fun that they're having. We talk about the fun that like could exist in that world. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, cool, cool, cool. So these characters are looking to go, uh, they're going to go on a, on a carriage ride. Because why not? Because that's fun. Like that's fluff, but fun fluff. And so like, cool, cool, cool. Now, now carriage ride is there. So like, let's talk about it. Like, oh, what does that inspire sonically? What does that inspire? Like what kind of chaos can ensue on a carriage ride? Mm-hmm. So like now we get to talk about music world. Now we get to talk about journey. Now we get to talk about, uh, are they both happy to be on the carriage ride? So like, I could take this metaphor like further and further and further, but once you start with like, oh, it's a moment of fun. What's a moment of fun. And then extrapolating from there, that's a really great uh, I guess conversation starter when you're tackling a new piece, a new song is like, what is it like? What is what do I think it's supposed to do in this moment? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, intention behind any moment of writing is really going to be the driving factor, right? Yeah. An audience will buy anything if they buy the intention, and <laughs> that that makes it sound like I think audiences are suckers, and that's not what I mean. It's that. Whenever the intention is is the the foundation, the writing that comes, as long as it is all serving that that main intention, that main goal, will work. It will work together, and, and the audience will will go along on that journey. Totally. Um. Yeah, love. Yeah. Do you, we all get this question? We all hate this question, but I'm gonna ask it. Do you yeah. like to work lyric first, or do you like music first? Again, <laughs> yes, but I wanted I want to know the cases. But, yeah, so I think to me, if I am writing, and and this is like this was sort of instilled from like BMI model, but like if I'm writing a comedy song, uh-huh. and I like and I need to be in control of what the joke is, where the joke lands, hmm. I want to be able to write that lyric first. Most other times, I'm. I'm pretty amiable to like, if somebody wants like, oh, here's the melody. Sure. I'll, I'll happily like, cause then it's like a crossword puzzle. It's like, you yeah. have the melody. It's like, all right, cool. I know what the theme is. I know what the song is supposed to be. Here are the notes I have. How do I make them fit? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so that's, that's always a really fun and exciting challenge. And like, and sometimes as a lyricist, like, like you'll, you'll, I find it's like, I, I consider myself super lucky in my collaboration with Anthony is he'll just say, Here's a groove. 
go play. And then, then I'm like, oh, cool. So like, I know what the song feels like, but there is no melody line. So now I have a feel for what the song is. And I write some lyrics with, I, I oftentimes will write lyrics with some sort of a melody in mind and be like, well, yeah. here's my bad version. And then Anthony's like, cool, I'm going to take 50% of your bad version. And then here's my addition to it. And then I'm like, cool, with your addition, I'm going to rewrite a couple of these lyrics to fit this new scansion. And then there's that back and forth. And every mm-hmm. now and then I'll write something brilliant and we'll just cut paste. And then I get to write some melody too. Um, but that's every now and then. But so like, it's it's fun to like, I I, I do enjoy the challenge. I, so yeah, I, I'm a full spectrum of it because I, I enjoy when I have to write or need to write strictly lyric first. I also enjoy when I have to, the challenge of setting exactly to the music as is, and then the, the freedom and flexibility of the, the middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the reasons that we can converse for hours about things because I'm the exact same way. <laughs> like, please, I'll do all of it. Any of it. Please. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, something I hear a lot from, from writers is, especially lyricists, and I think I think there is something so much more restricting about the vocabulary of the English language versus the vocabulary of like the ethereal thing that is music. <laughs> but what I what I often hear is that it, it's intimidating to have to write to something that is presented to you. Mm-hmm. And for me, I delight in that. I think that's a, de- a, a delightful challenge, especially as a lyricist, because it makes me think outside the box. It forces me to ask questions. And um, I'll let you finish that thought. But I, I was I, just going to ask, uh, add a question to that. Oh, sure. Which is, uh, do would you have uh, something to say to to people who feel that way that might help them? when they are writing in a way that feels a little less comfortable for them. Yeah. So, and and this is something that I'm, I'm currently working on is because my first instinct, when I get a new melody line, it's like, Oh, each note needs a syllable of a word to land on it. Hmm. And it doesn't have to be that way. You can elongate syllables. Like just because there's two notes doesn't mean you need two syllables. Like you can stretch an ah vowel. You can stretch an e. Like you can stretch whatever vowels you want. You can, you can have, like, as long as it's character driven, play with the words, make up a word, create it like, like, and, and I'm saying this from like, yeah, you should do this. So this is something that I need to be better about is just giving myself permission to play in the environment. And I, I, I'm, I, I am actively working on it. Like when there's like, oh, here are the here are the vowels. Here, like here's the structures. Like oh, do I need this feminine ending to be an ing ending? Do I need an ine ending? Do I need to like hit the rhyme at the end there, or do I elongate my vowel? Do I do an uu or an ah ah? Like do I like do I do something fun, character driven that is not expected there yeah. to sort of uh, break out of the conventional oh. I like this is where the feminine ending goes. It's like, sure, there's a time and a place for that, but play around with it. Give yourself permission to to be wrong and to like, yeah, let's 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 try it and see what happens. So that is a yeah, I, I that's what I would say is don't feel like you have to be married to the music. This also comes back to the conversation I had about communication. Like mm-hmm. set your, like feel free to set your music just a 
just a little bit off from like, like, oh, can I get a pickup? Can I get like, can I hold this note a little bit longer? Because nine times out of 10, if you say, hey, listen, do is this okay to your composer? They'll say, yeah, sure, that's fine. <laughs> Unless it's like a melodic thing of like, no, no, we can't do that. In which case you, you, you ask like, sure, I'll try something else. But right, like, yeah. as long as you're like communicating and presenting the idea, don't be afraid to ask for what feels right lyrically. Don't yeah. feel like you're, you have to write what's on the page feel like you're writing for what's best for the character with what's on the page as a guideline to that. And yeah. all the composers out there are like, shut, turn off that mind's microphone. <laughs> um, but that's how I feel. <laughs> no, I think you're you're 100% correct. And I think a, a beautiful way to say that is to, to allow yourself to play. I, I love when, when people give themselves grace, right? To, like you said, to be wrong, to try something out because it feels character driven and me not follow the rule, the rules as written. But if you try it out and it doesn't work, ah, you can try something else, right? The, no, nothing lost, um, but potentially something gained if you try out something weird and it's like, oh, actually, I kind of love this. And then you go back and you rewrite the whole lyric. Yeah. Um, and this is something else that we 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 talk about in the, the course, but I just try to talk about in general in my YouTube videos and anything is that idea of as long as there is uh intention behind it actual reason you can break the rules in any way you want to yeah it's you're never wrong as long as there's purpose <laughs> right yeah it, like sure some people are vehemently against false rhymes and slant rhymes however if it works for the character do it. If it works for the song, do it. If it works for the moment, do it. Don't force in a rhyme if it doesn't, if it, if it doesn't like yeah. help the story. Um, I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> it's a good soapbox. Those slant rhymes. <laughs> I, I like that soapbox. And hey, you know, I, I stray toward perfect rhymes. I do. I'm that person. But man, do I appreciate good slant rhymes. They feel good. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I actually wish I was better at slant rhyming. I'm not. I should. That's a skill I could work on. Hmm. Dear Diary, um, let's work <laughs> on slant rhymes. <laughs> well, legit. Uh, <laughs> these are good answers. Um, one, one other question I want to ask you where collaboration is concerned, because we so far have talked about collaboration only within the writing team. Mm-hmm. But would you like to offer any thoughts or advice or experiences or stories about collaborating uh, with other members of the production team in terms of how that shapes writing? Oh, totally. Um, I think, at least from my perspective, it's super important. And maybe this is just how I approach collaboration. But every designer every director, every dramaturg, every actor is a gift because they're giving you outside perspective into a work that you've had tunnel vision on. Like you can only experience your version of this work because that's what you've been creating. But as soon as you get somebody else to read it, to look at it, to imagine a costume piece, to imagine a lighting plot, they've, they've, they've taken a lens that you haven't worn toward your piece of work. So like, take, take any and any and all, like, take it all in, 
filter it. If you don't like the feedback, you don't have to use it, but like take it all in because ideas are cheap. And sometimes, sometimes they're not. And sometimes they're like, they, yeah, they, 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 they change everything. Like, I, I wish I, I wish I had a specific answer for this. I mean, for example, uh, in an Axmas story, we have, we, there's a delightful actor we've worked with multiple times uh, who made the character choice that uh, this character would mispronounce words like uh, gratuitous is gratuitous. And it's like, yes, that's inherently funny. I know that the actor knows that that word is pronounced gratuitous, but it's much funnier for this character who is like proselytizing to actively mispronounce words and have people still eat it. So it's like, now that's written into the script because it's funny. So like, get like taking feedback you get from that, like, and use using your directors as, as, as dramaturgs because the good ones will do it. And they'll be like, this doesn't make sense. And if, so, if somebody's confused, use that as an opportunity to go back and fix it because mm. It, it probably, I'm sure it'll make sense to you as the writer because you wrote it and you're connecting all the dots behind the scenes, but they're only working with what's on the page. So if they're confused, try to take more of what's in here and put it on the page and then work with them to figure out what's missing. How do I make this clearer? How do I make this better? How do I make this funnier? Um, but yeah, I, I am all for all aspects of the, the yeah, collaboration is, yeah. That's why we agreed to talk on it because I love collaboration. I heart collaboration because it, it makes everything better. Enough Man, <laughs> Patrick Spencer, the pull quotes today. The pull quotes. <laughs> Man, I don't need to be here. I should have just given you the, the camera and the time to go. Hello, um, music theater writer guy team. My name is Patrick Spencer. I'll be hosting your talk today. <laughs> Perfect. Oh man, yeah, what a phenomenal answer. It's true, collaboration uplifts everything. And um, yeah, we do kind of get tunnel vision as writers. There's only so much you can see, uh, no matter how many times you've stepped back throughout the development process of a piece, there are always things that you will have um, missed or not known or not even had the thought to extrapolate upon because you're so within your own story. That and, and you're right, it's a gift. It's an absolute gift to have collaborators come in and say, here's what I'm getting and I do, run. I, I do want to, as I continue to pour love onto the, or gasoline onto the love fire that is collaboration, I do want to throw in the caveat that there is bad collaboration and you need to make sure that like, if you are collaborating with somebody who like, you don't, you're not writing the same show and you don't like see eye to eye with like there, there is such a thing as bad collaboration mm. and give yourself permission to walk away from those bad collaborations. Don't it's, it's like relationships. Don't stay stuck in a bad relationship. If it's not, what's good for you, it's not what's good for the show. Go find something else. Go work with someone else. Like I, like I, I've, I've worked with a director in the past who started to like, he, he put his name on my script and like started taking credit for work. And I was just like, cool, I'm going to get through this reading. But I was like, this is a bad collaboration. Like we can't work together. So it's like just finding out the, the give yourself permission uh, to walk away from what feels like a bad collaboration, because that's also important. I do love collaboration. Just wanted to throw that out there. Like, don't stay together for the kids. Don't stay together for the show. Like, do what's right for 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 your own, yeah, for yourself and and for the show. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And, and being able to advocate for yourself is very important. Um, because at the end of the day, as a writer, you own what you've written. Um, it is yours. You can take it and go anytime you want or need to. Uh, and I think this is a, a large part of why in the standard collaboration agreement template that the Dramatists Guild has for all of us, there is an out clause. And obviously everything gets specified per collaboration, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's there in the template to have an out because sometimes things don't work out and that is okay. Yeah. And as as they do say, always do your collaboration agreements during the honeymoon phase. When you're mm. all excited to be writing a show, everybody sign that paper that says, listen, this is how we get out if like things go south. Because you always want to have the backup plan when things are good so that you don't have to figure it out when things go south. Yes, absolutely. Pro tip. <laughs> all right. Shall we move into our finisher questions? Yeah, let's, let's ease out. All right. Mr. Patrick Spencer, please tell me. Because I know your life. I know you do plenty of things outside of musical theater. Um, what is your favorite non-musical theater activity? I, I mean, I, I, I love games, but I'm going to say specifically, <laughs> I love yard games. Yard games, yard games are my favorite. So like I'll, I'll, whether it's bocce ball or croquet or ladder golf or cornhole, like just sign me up for anything that I can do outside with a beer in my hand. <laughs> and just like, cause I, I feel like, so, like, and like Patrick, you live in New York, like you don't have a yard, you can't play yard games. And I think that's why I love them so much is because <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I want, I want to go do those things. I, I, I just, cause I, I like to be a little competitive, but I think yard games, yard games is the right amount of competition where it's like yeah. the stakes are there, but you're also just there to, to drink and have a good time. So yeah, yard games for the win. That's I, a good I, one. For my, uh, for my wedding, my wife and I decorated our own cornhole set. So we have our own like personally, like personally painted and engraved cornhole set that we still play with. Like They're we dust it out of the closet every now and then and, uh, and play some cornhole. Wait, we should play some cornhole. I would love that before it gets cold, before it's too cold for cornhole. Is it ever too cold for cornhole? Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I, 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 yeah, we can figure it out. We can yeah. do some, but could you make like a snow cornhole and like make, <laughs> yeah, we'll figure something out. Yeah. Oh, this is fun. Yeah, we should play yard games. I love yard games. That's a good answer. Okay. Next one. Do you have, a story or a show that you really want to tell that you haven't dug into yet? Um, yeah, so I just, I'm not going to pull them down because there's a, a bunch of them. So when I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, so when I was younger, from a, uh, from fifth grade until eighth grade, I was in uh, the Tucson, Arizona Boys Chorus. So okay. I was in like, I was in like a professional touring boys choir. So when other kids were doing like flag football or like sports for the summer, I was in like music camp. I like each Christmas I would do from December, like from Thanksgiving till New Year's, I would perform roughly like with the choir on average, like 20 shows in an 18 day span. So in like insane. And then, for a month out of every year, 
I would go on tour with this choir. So like I would I would skip a, a month of school. And so like I went to China, Thailand, Vietnam, South Africa, Taiwan, Hawaii. Like I, I got to tour the world with this choir. And like these are things that and but keep in mind, like these are sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade boys seeing these like the wonders of the world and having zero appreciation for it. Um, but luckily, when I was doing those tours, it was required that we keep uh, tour journals. So I have up up in the closet, I, I just brought them home with me from my last trip to go visit the folks. So I have like four huge binders filled with like the teenage music musings of one Patrick Spencer on his time in tour with the boys choir. So I don't know what sort of show comes out of there, mm. but some sort of show will come out of this boys choir experience. I just haven't had the time to, to sit down and write it yet or, or even really know what it is yet, but something, something will come from that. <laughs> That's delightful. Oh man, what a gold mine those journals must yeah. be. Oh, there, there's, there's one entry uh, from fifth grade Patrick. No context, just says like, I think it's like April 3rd, I saw Godzilla out the tour bus window. Only entry for the day. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Did I, did I see like a Godzilla poster? Did I see like somebody dressed up as Godzilla? Did like, did fifth grade Patrick think that he actually saw Godzilla? Like, mm. there were like so many questions for fifth grade, fifth grade Patrick. Um, but I don't know the answer to that question because I was not clear in that journal entry. So that's why it's going to be fun to sort of dive into that. And uh, yeah, whether it's a memory play, whether it's like a super serious, um, uh, yeah, a super serious like television show or like 30 minute comedy or like, I don't know what it's going to be, but, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. This is going to be amazing. All right. One more. Ready? Yeah. What is something that you love or are proud of that you don't get to talk about often? Mm -hmm. Um, well, I, I, I'll use, I'll use a little bit of time here to talk about my wife, uh, Jamie. I don't talk about her enough, um, but she's a special education teacher. Uh, she works with like, uh, the, for like ninth, 10th grade here in, in Brooklyn, New York. She works with like here at, at Williamsburg prep. She works with a lot of kids with a lot of special needs and she's got the hugest heart. I love her. I'm mm -hmm. so proud of her. She does so much good work. Like she, she was working retail for a while and stopped making money in retail because she's like, I want to work something that like means I want to work somewhere that means something. And so like just being able to have that sort of presence in my life, like love her. So proud of her. She's amazing. She's an incredible artist. Um, yes. Let me let me see if I can pull something up. This is a this is a print she made of the two of us at Harry Potter World where she uh, superimposed like goat heads on top of us. She's incredible. I love her dearly. It lives here on my desk because she's awesome. Um, here's also like, here's like a, a ceramic tile made of like found prints that she put together yeah. that lives on. Yeah. So she's, she's a phenomenal artist. Uh, she, she made the hoopah at our wedding. She's like, she, yeah, she's an Which educator. She, yeah. She's, she's an educator. She's a dog mom. She's an artist. She's everything. I, yeah, I'll gush about her because she deserves all the praise in the world. Jamie is one of my favorite people in the world. She is wonderful in so many ways, all the ways you've said and more. Um, what a beautiful use of that answer. <laughs> ah! 
I actually got a little teary there. Um, oh, God, I love you guys so much. <laughs> <laughs> My heart. <laughs> Patrick, this was such a wonderful conversation. Thank you for being here. Um, you're the best, man. Yeah, thank um, you so much for having me. Uh, ho- hopefully, hopefully, any of you who stuck it out to this point learned a thing or two along the way. <laughs> I'm sure they did if they stuck it out to this point. There were there are a lot of nuggets in here. Uh, you were very generous with your wisdom <laughs> this evening, so thank you. Would Would you like to tell the people where they can find you, follow you, uh, in oh, addition yeah. to an axmithstory.com that's with an e with an e uh, but yeah definitely check us out at an with an e um you can also check out some previous work from shows i've written if you go to soundcloud you can search for two star motel uh you can listen to about like five or six demos we have up there uh i don't post as often as i should but i have a great handle uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at uh, scan ten lyrics three. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to all of my uh, my chorus line fans out there. Um, but yeah, that's a that's it. And also, just the biggest plug is come to the Players Theater this December, December first through eighteenth, and come see an Axmas story, anaxmasstory.com for tickets and information. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, come see the show with me. I'm going. I think the first oh my- Saturday. I don't know. I think it's the first Saturday. I'll look at my ticket. Um, but that's wonderful. And, I, and I'll have all that information for people in the description below. So you don't have to memorize that, everybody. But um, do check out Patrick's work. It's wonderful. And he's wonderful. And I'm so glad that you all now have gotten an introduction to him. Hi, everybody. So- Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so again, thank you, Patrick, for being here. And thank you all for watching uh, today's episode. And you know the deal. Like, subscribe, do all the things. Come join us in the Musical Theater Writing Collective. Uh, we are open. We are welcoming people in. And I want to know what you're up to and what your projects are so we can help you do your thing. So thank you once again, everyone. And until next time. Thank you all for being here with me today. And I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Musical Theater Writer Guy, available wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to rate and review this show as it really helps others to discover what you already know. And please do share this show far and wide so we may all become an even closer musical theater community.